You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, good morning, or maybe good afternoon, depending on where you are in the country. Uh, I want to just say hello. I am your host for the next 30 minutes, Dr. Jeff Werber here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, the only live call-in show here on Pet Life Radio. And call-in means we want you to call in. We want some questions. We want concerns with anything to do with your animals, with your pets. Give me a call. We'll discuss. Chances are if it's dog or cat, you're going to get an answer immediately. If it's something other, depending on the species you want to talk about or the question, I may do a little homework and get back to you. But for anybody who does call in or send an email live on the show or send me an email during the week and I'll read it next week, we will send you out. Thanks to our sponsors, Pet ProSense Pet Products and the Kong Veterinary Products, KVP. We will send you out free Kong toy and a free ProSense pet product. And it's so easy to get a hold of us. First of all, you can dial in toll free, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Another way, log on to PetLifeRadio.com. The opening page, click on the left. You'll see all those little in, in bright yellow, all the different shows. Click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And you can just enter, join in the conversation, type away, and we will read and answer your question. And lastly, you can send an email right now to drjeff at petliferadio.com. It will be forwarded to me live, and we can converse that way. So there are so many easy ways that uh, we want to hear from you. And, um, you know, I just talked to our producer, Mark. One of the things that I would like to hear from you and uh, you don't even you can keep it anonymous if you're embarrassed, if you're shy, if you don't want to get a free product, that's okay. But any topic, anything that you've been dealing with your pet, maybe anticipate dealing with your pet, just something you want to know more about in a way that I will explain it so you can really understand the process, understand the diagnostic options and whys, understand the treatment options and the whys, etc. I know that many of you sometimes feel a bit lost. And then what you do is you go onto the internet, which is okay. It's okay, but not great. Number of reasons. The internet, as I say, it's probably the number one source of information nowadays. But when people call me and they tell me what they read on the internet, I also say it's the number one source of misinformation. I don't mean misinformation, they're wrong, but I will draw this analogy. When young veterinary students come out of vet school, they have a certain vision, a certain idea of the kind of cases they see and the necessary diagnostics and treatment. The problem is that the cases that they are usually seeing at many veterinary schools, unless, of course, they're going to a vet school that has what's called a community hospital, where they are just doing regular stuff that most of us are going to see and most of you are going to have issues with, they are getting the cream of the crop cases as far as difficulty and complication. So these students work on these cases. They're being worked up by the, the clinicians, by the residents, whether it's internal medicine or surgery or oncology or dentistry or behavior or whatever the case may be. And by the time they get out of school, they think that every case that comes through their door is going to be that kind of case. And they're jumping on it to decide on which diagnostics to employ, to decide on what treatments to employ. And it's like, whoa, whoa, time out, time out. Why are you thinking that? That is not what you're going to see typically in practice. So unfortunately, the internet picks up on that. So when I, people come in and they went on the internet because their dog had a little runny eye, okay? 
And right away, they're talking about all these bizarre esoteric diseases and the ophthalmologist and the you know, electroretinograms. It's like, time out, time out, slow down. It's probably just a little bit of an irritation or conjunctivitis. Treat that first, as I like to say, in my analogy of the horses and the zebras. And certainly this is a California analogy by location. But as you can imagine, it can go anywhere where you might find, typically find some horses. And that is, if you're running along the beach in Malibu and you hear hoofbeats chasing you from behind, what are you thinking, horses or zebras? And clearly the answer is horses. So why, doctor, are you looking for that zebra? That case that might be one in a zillion. You might, might get two or three in your entire 35, 40-year practice career, and you think you're getting it today on the first week of practice? No, 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 no. It's not going to happen that way. And uh, the other one makes a lot of sense. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So with that in mind, I would like to hear from you what types of issues have you been having with your pets, things that maybe you've gone to the veterinarian a number of times before. I'll, I'll give you a simple one. This client of mine comes in with a dog that she rescued, and it had been to a number of veterinarians already for an eye discharge. I'm not, it just so happens I use that as an example, but now it is a real case, an eye discharge. And the eye looked pretty good to me, but clearly clearly a lot of excessive tearing we call epiphora and she was coming to me for a diagnosis and evaluation so of course when i the first thing i was looking at the eyelids why is this dog tearing so much is it because there might be of course they ruled out many a time with what we call a fluorescein stain that there's any kind of corneal abrasion corneal ulcer lesion of course that's going to cause discomfort and a lot of tearing but with those dogs, typically you can see the lids at work. You can see what we call blepharospasm. They're blinking. They're uncomfortable. The eyes are red. They're pawing at the eyes. So I put that lower on my list. Again, I don't take things off my list anymore. I'm not that cocky as I used to be, but I, I'm just going to put it lower. So I then look at the eyelids. Oftentimes we'll see an eyelid, something called dystochiasis or trichiasis, which are aberrant lashes that are growing either in the wrong location or the wrong direction, and they are rubbing at the eyeball. It's kind of like getting that little piece of sand or if anyone wears contact lenses. You know the feeling when you get something caught under the lens, but man, it's irritating and you tear a lot. So I looked under the lids. I saw nothing. I said, you know what? I'm going to do a fluorescein stain, but I'm not going to do the fluorescein stain to see if there's any lesions on the cornea. That's been done already. What I want to do is I'm going to put the stain, the dye, in the eye, and then I'm going to take my black light, my woods lamp, and instead of holding it on the eye to see if there's any scratches or lesions or abrasions on the cornea, I'm going to hold it at the nose. And one might say, what? what does the nose have to do with the eye? Doctor, are you nuts? No. What happens is, naturally, tears drain through tear ducts that empty into the nose, which is one of the reasons why oftentimes you'll see a very slight clear discharge out of a dog's nose and why dog's noses are often wet as well. So what I want to do is I want to see if I put the dye in the eye, the discharge coming out should be that same fluorescent bright green that it would be that I would be looking for on the eyeball. And if the tear ducts were working properly, within a few seconds, 20, 30 seconds, of half a minute at the most, I'm going to see this bright fluorescent green dye coming out of the nose and draining onto the upper lip. And then I'm going to know, well, at least, at least I know that the tear ducts themselves are working. So sure enough, put the dye in the eyes. I'm sitting there 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half. There is no dye coming out of the nose. Bing, 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 bing for like pennies compared to what some of these places were doing, right? 
I have a diagnosis. The diagnosis is this dog's tear ducts are plugged. And now my next step, of course, is going to have to sedate and flush them and try to pass what we call a cannula, a very thin piece of suture material through them. And when everything is working perfectly, this is really the coolest thing. You find a little papilla, which is the opening of the duct. There's one on the upper and the lower lid, both towards what we call the medial canthus, the inside, maybe a quarter of an inch away from the actual corner of the eye, both upper lower. And you find the little papilla and you actually start threading a thin piece of nylon suture through the papilla. And when everything is working perfectly, all of a sudden, this thin suture material, as you're passing, it's like Roto-Rooter. It's coming out of the nose. So you know that at least at that point, everything is okay. Now, could there be some duct anomalies where the papilla, the opening of the papilla, are not open? There's a thin membrane that's covering them, so they're not working at all. So, of course, my next question was, have these eyes ever been normal? And the answer was, yes, oh, this is, this is something new. Ah, so if this is something new, then the whole idea of having congenital anomaly where there's a thin membrane covering the pill that I have to cut away, I could put that, again, way lower on my list. Why? Because if the dog was presenting like this since it was a puppy, then I would say, okay, it's a, maybe that's one of the things on my list I have to look at to resolve. But clearly it wasn't. So um, this dog was normal up until a few weeks ago. So I'm thinking had some kind of infection, developed some mucus. The mucus got in the, in the duct and somewhere from the papillae and the eyeball down to the nose at the opening of the duct, there's a plug. And I'm going to next week or the week after that, I'm going to drain it, fix it. I put the, the dog on some ophthalmic uh, ointment with a little corticosteroids. Maybe it's an inflammatory problem. So if we can decrease the inflammation, maybe that would help. But bottom line is we'll, we'll get an answer. And I wasn't thinking zebras. I was thinking horses. And as I said, for very, a little common sense and a, a single diagnostic test, and we have an answer. So that's kind of the kinds of things I like to talk about, how to continually have you guys, have your veterinarians practice what I like to, to call the KISS rule, which is keep it simple, stupid. And too many of my veterinary colleagues, I don't think are doing that. They are looking for the, the big problems. The internet looks at the big problems and the internet doesn't give you the more basic, more common, try this first, you know, I always said, always, there's nothing wrong. If you're ever presented with something that's not impending emergency and you're still not sure where you want to go with it, treat it empirically for a day or two. See what happens. The body's amazing. The body wants to fix itself most of the time. So most of the time, let the body do its work before you start getting involved and make things worse. I've sent cases to emergency clinics before and they made it worse. All you have to do is sit back and kind of let the body do its thing. Anyway, we're uh, about 15 minutes into our show. I'm going to take a quick break. For our sponsors, you know the drill, and I'll be back right here with Dr. Jeff, here at Ask the Vest with Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Tired of wasting money on giant boxes of litter that don't work and don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter with concentrated power. 
So even a small bag lasts one cat 30 days. Outstanding odor control, quick clumping, lightweight. It's even flushable. World's best cat litter. Everything else is just litter. Find it near you at www.itsnotjustlitter.com. That's www.itsnotjustlitter.com. Active for Pets is a new wellness platform and app that helps pet parents save time and money on their vet bills. Stop paying for unnecessary vet treatments. Consult with the vet online. Get unlimited access to your pet's entire health history from any computer or smartphone with the Active for Pets app. Vaccinations, medications, test results, and more. Active 4 Pets gives you access to a team of expert vets for non-emergency care. Make an appointment before, during, or after office hours. Skip the waiting room and get a secure online vet consult on your schedule. Taking care of your pets is as easy as it gets with Active 4 Pets. Ready to try Active 4 Pets? Listeners get 40% off a one-year membership. To get this great offer, use promo code PETLIFE on the sign-up page of Active4Pets.com. That's A-C-T-I-V, the number 4, P-E-T-S, dot com. Or call 888-512-2848. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Berber. You know, uh, tomorrow morning, um, I start a crazy week. I'm, uh, first of all, so crazy. I'm being picked up at 3.30 in the morning. Thank you very much. As I'm off to Toronto through Chicago, I'll be working for the next, let me see, Tuesday, Wednesday in Toronto area, then flying to Vancouver for Thursday in Vancouver, and finally back home. And I'm going to be talking about Summer Tips for Pets. It's a media tour, it's called. I'll be hitting, oh my God, I'll be one busy guy. From station to station, to radio show, to magazine article, to interview, uh, all over the place. It's going to be sponsored by Mars Pet Care. And, you know, it's interesting. The premise, of course, is pet safety during the summertime. And also, they're promoting something that is becoming a little bit more popular now. And we call that mixed feeding. And, you know, over the years, we have learned that in many circumstances, though most of us don't do it, myself included for my dogs, but I'm going to change. For my cats, I've picked up this a long time ago and have made the changes. And that is they're promoting, and it's interesting, it's, it's a media tour sponsored by Mars Pet Care. Uh, Mars owns Iams and Pedigree and Whiskers and Caesar and Temptations. It's under the Waltham Nutrition Center in the United Kingdom is also under the Mars Pet Care umbrella. A lot of amazing research comes out of that. But what they are having me do is not necessarily promote any brands. What they want to promote is the research that they found at Waltham, and that is the benefits of mixed feeding. And I was actually surprised at some of the things that we learned. But, you know, we know that in dogs, for example, urinary tract infections and urinary problems are of greater incidence in the small breeds. And one of the things we also notice, 70% of pet owners, 70% of you that have dogs are feeding your dogs just dry food, which, by the way, is nutritionally sound, nutritionally balanced. But we're determining, we're learning there may be advantages 
of actually feeding mixed in. And it could be a, whatever percent you want. It could be 25, 75, 60, 40. It doesn't make a difference. You can actually just first feed some canned and then let them gobble it up, which they probably will, and then leave uh, the dry out to graze for a little longer. There's no magic to how to do it, how to make the switch, and how much to feed of each. The idea is that dogs, many of our dogs can benefit as well from canned food diets, number one of which, especially this time of year, is hydration. Even though we think the dogs will take in as much water as they need, that's not always the case. So by giving them some canned food as well, which is a high water content, then they're getting more hydration. And how do we know? How do we know? Where do we, where do we learn that dogs don't necessarily take in as much water as they need? We learn it from cats because cats are not good water drinkers. And many of the problems we get, we see with cats with feline lower urinary tract disease are related to the fact they're not getting enough water. So one of the ways we can combat that is to also feed them canned food with cats. There's another big reason, and that is the cats are obligate carnivores. They need to eat meat, really good meat. And what happens with dry food, dry food has meat, there's no doubt, but it also has a lot of carbs. And the feeling is, the reason we see so many overweight cats, cats that are predisposed to type 2 diabetes, is because they're on dry food only diets. And I'm not saying eliminate the dry food, but you want to mix in some canned food. They need to have more canned food. They need to have real meat. They need to have more water in their diets, and they need to have less carbs. And interestingly, though one would think, one would think that the canned food is more fattening, and that's not the case. It's actually less calories per gram of canned food than in dry food. So again, because some of those grams is water versus the, the dry food is all filler is carbs, and they're getting more calories. So it's very interesting to learn this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be promoting the concept of mixed feeding and also a lot of summertime tips. And so, you know, we're prepared. I mean, some of the things you need to know about, first of all, it gets hot out there. So for those of you, and oh, let me backtrack a second. We all want to get out. And if not, we want to, we need to, I'm sure. I'm not even looking at you and just judging by our wonderful country and the problem with many of us being to sort of wearing, packing on a few more pounds than we should have, especially after winter. We should be outside exercising as well. It's good for us. It's good for our dogs. It's good for developing and maintaining that wonderful bond that we share with our pets. So it's time. It's time spent. It's fun. But we need to do it. But we don't want to do it in the middle of the day. We got to be very, very careful. Once that sun comes up, guys, it is really hot. And not only is, is it hot in the evening when you think, okay, the sun's down. Now we're safe. Depending on the surface you want to exercise or run on, it may not be so safe. Why? Because asphalt, especially black asphalt, will maintain heat for quite a while. So you have to either put those little pads, those little booties on your pet's feet, something to protect them from that hot surface. Or don't go on a hot surface. You work around on grass or on, on, on sand, something that's not quite as hot in the later in the evening. But you don't want to exercise during the day. When you do exercise, make sure you have an ample supply of water. Take a thermos. What I like to do, a couple of things, is I, I like to take a bandana. And I will wet it, roll it up, and put it in the freezer overnight. And in the morning when I take my dogs out for the walk, I put, wrap some bandana around their neck. So they're getting that nice, cool, ice cold, when it melts, wet bandana. And that just makes them feel good, especially dogs with shorter hair. When you leave them outside during the day, it is critical that they have shade. Sometimes it's not just the heat that's getting them, it's the direct sunlight. So if you don't have a doghouse and there's no area that's like a covered porch or a covered awning or where one of your, your house or your garage is creating a shaded area, 
you must make arrangements to keep them indoors or build that which you need so they have shade. Secondly, water, ample water at all times. And I can't tell you how many cases I've seen of heat stroke, heat prostration because these dogs were doing too much and didn't have an ample supply of water. During exercise, they weren't given an opportunity to stop and catch their breath. And it's sort of a vicious cycle once they get to the point especially in the shorter face breeds where they start having that respiratory sound, that strider, you've lost the battle because now the more they work to breathe, the more their temp goes up, the more their temp goes up, the more dangerous it is for them. So remember, dogs don't sweat except for two places. We've talked about this before. They sweat on the pads of their feet and the nose. So if you don't give them an opportunity to cool down, they can only do so much by panting. And if panting becomes compromised, then their body temperature is going to shoot up. So that's very, very dangerous. So I have some good suggestions for water. One product I saw, it's a little attachment that goes onto a faucet. You turn the faucet on and the water doesn't leak through because there's a little bar in the center and it only delivers the water when that bar is moved. So the dog's tongue or the nose, they nudge it, they lick at it, and then when they lick, the water is delivered. And that way you're not wasting water. Another good suggestion. If you have a dog that kind of likes to play with its water bowl, like it's now a toy, what I recommend is the following. You got to kind of picture this as I say it, but you want to get a bunt cake pan. And for any of you who have ever made a cake or know what a bunt cake pan is, it's got a hole in the center. So what you do is you buy about a half inch a wooden dowel, maybe oh, 12 to 16 inches long, and you bang it into the ground. You fill the bunt cake pan with water, and then you slide the bunt cake pan over the dowel. So now it's anchored. It cannot be tipped over. So that rambunctious Labrador puppy of yours that looks at everything as a play toy, it can't knock over the bowl. Second thing you can do is take some heavy-duty rocks and put it at the bottom, but you got to get a pretty big water bowl and then put the water on top of that. And another thing, but I'm loaded with ideas here, is to fill up a water bowl about three-quarters full, stick it in the freezer overnight, and by morning, you're going to have one huge block of ice. And that way, the dog can go over to the block of ice. During the day, it will melt. As it melts, they can get some more water. They're always lapping water off the top. But it's really an ample supply of water that they sort of can have throughout the day, and it's nice and cool. And of course, if you don't have a dog that loves to knock over the water bowl or you use the dowel trick, you can also fill it with water and put ice cubes in the water bowl so it stays nice and cool. So we're talking about preparing for exercise early morning or late evening. If they're going to be outside during the day, they have to have ample shade and they have to have ample supply of water and make sure they're, they're healthy. I always like to, I recommend before summertime, before you're going to start increasing exercise, go see your veterinarian. Have a checkup. Make sure everything's okay. Make sure everything's working order. Make sure the feet are good. Make sure the nasal passages, everything is clear. Again, they're going to sweat through their nose. They're going to pant. They're going to breathe. We want to make sure that everything is fine and that they are not too overweight. Understand this, that on the one hand, we need the exercise to help shed the pounds. But on the other hand, the work to do the exercise is much more difficult on the body and the metabolism when they're overweight, when they're carrying on this extra weight. So it's something you need to work with a game plan with your veterinarian. You want to work into it nice and slowly because otherwise you're going to have a dog who's going to overheat. And that potentially could be life-threatening. I've had dogs in my office, 107. It's amazing they're even alive. They're collapsed. They can't move, and which leads me to another point. If you are going to exercise and, and do anything with your pet, even in the morning, make sure you have ex- know exactly where you need to take them for the following things. Number one, heat stroke. 
Number two, depending on where you're exercising and where you're hiking, rattlesnakes, poisonous snakes. You do not want to stop and go. You don't, you don't collect your $200. Rush, and I mean rush, straight to the emergency center nearby for some treatment. So these are things you just want to know. You need to know for your pet's protection. And of course, think about mixed feeding. Think about trying some good canned foods. I guarantee your pets are going to love you for it because I know my as much as my dogs love to eat and they'll eat, you know, two of them are Labradors, one's a Labradoodle, I joke, they'll eat anything that's not bolted down or doesn't eat them first. But they, and they, they'll chow down their food in two seconds, but they love canned food. So, and one thing you can entice if you have a dog that's not eating well, by the way, a little trick, not too much because it's richer and you have to have a healthy dog to do this with, but dogs love cat food because cat food is higher in protein. It's a little higher in fat. It's tasty as, as can be. And oh my God, if you have a finicky dog who's not liking his dry food, feed him some canned food. If he's not loving his canned food, give him some cat canned food. That I think he'll like. Anyway, thanks for joining me here. Uh, this version, this edition of uh, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And we will be here. No, I will not be here next week. I'm going to be traveling. Um, I'm sure Mark will come up with a uh, one of my past shows that was fantastic. You'll learn something. And we will see you here in two weeks. So um, make sure to tune in. And I want to see. I want, I want you to send me emails to drjeff at petliferadio.com so you can tell me what you would like to discuss. Give me a topic. Let's discuss it. Let me help you manage it educate you. That's what I love to do. All right. We'll see you in a few weeks here on Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.